I had had enough. Well, you drove out there into the middle of nowhere and had some sort of loud verbal display challenging E.T. in general out oh, in the yeah, middle of nowhere? that's what I was doing. I actually had a uh, pistol in my hand at the time. Um, I was really kicked off. When I was having this fit, I, had, I was waving the gun in the air, okay, and I had this fit. And at this moment, I said, okay. was a Louisiana man named Montaldo. Folks around called him Six Gun Joe. Worked with Icar, don't you know? Investigating UFOs. Out for a drive with a gal one night. They stopped to check out the reporting site. When an alien lit right there on the ground, commenced to throw in his weight around. Now, old Six Gun didn't take too kindly to that kind of thing. Especially without Vaseline or anything, but, you know, seriously. Well, Six Gun looked that critter right in the eye and said, any last wish before you die, yells, reached for his gun, quick as a twitch, and said, fill your claw, you son of a bitch. Now, a legend spread across the land about this pistol-waving man. But if you're from space or from Earth below, you don't give no lip to Six-Gun Joe. UFO Undercover, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, with your host, Joe Montaldo, right here on the Paranormal Radio Network. Welcome to UFO Undercover, with your host, Joe Montaldo. Well, welcome everyone. I hope everyone's having a great evening, great morning, great afternoon, wherever you are on our big, beautiful blue planet. Uh, I didn't know I was going to make it tonight. Crazy, busy night. Um, boss lady had me out shopping. We ain't going to say nothing about that, you know. <laughs> you know. Uh, just, you know, wrapping up from the Christmas holiday, getting ready for the New Year's holidays. If you're traveling in southern Mississippi or southern Louisiana, I will give you a little a warning that police are out and about and harassing people all over the place, probably doing their jobs, getting their drunkards and Everybody else off the road, but it's rough, man. I don't really, you know, I drive back and forth to New Orleans every day and week during the weekend. I don't usually see this many of them out there, so it's crazy how many you see out there. It's crazy how many you see running around. Uh, it's just crazy in general out there. So be, be safe. I mean, we're only, oh, what, five days to New Year's now, guys. It's close. It's close. We're big five whopping days to New Year's, and it's coming, it's coming up fast. 
usually I do, um, actually, usually, to be honest with you, I invite Alfred Weber uh, with me to come do an end of the year show or one of my other good friends, but it's usually Alfred. Tonight, though, it's uh, I've been so busy. My schedule's been so weird. I don't want to commit to a guest because, frankly, I just didn't know if I was going to be here or not, but I am. So one of the things I wanted to talk about tonight is it was UFOs and yaps. First off, the yap thing, I just can't get past the yap. UAP is just stupid. Oh, no, you know, no, 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 it's it's yap. You know, I don't care. You always know why, but still you, it's still yap. Um, I don't, I don't really think, <laughs> I just think it's a bad way of expressing it. That's all I can say. Um, but, oh, and we, yes, we will be giving away a couple of lightsabers tonight and some more books. And then, um, the next show that's going to give anything away will be on Friday night. And that will be it for the year because Saturday and Sunday, we will not be here. I'm hoping the Roku will be on sometime this week. Um, We've got a lot of material loaded up. I just can't seem to find a channel, so I need to call these, the company and say, what the hell is going on? I thought they provided a channel, so we'll, we'll see what's going on with all of this and all of that in the next couple of days. But anyway, it should be on. Probably It'll be on before the end of the year, and y'all will be able to join Olives and Roku both in, uh, well, in, well, in archives like usual and also in lifetime. So what's different, because on Roku, you can just sit there with your remote control on your television. There's no... You don't have to get on your phone. You don't have to get on your computer. You don't have to get on YouTube. I mean, a lot of us have YouTube and Facebook on our, our computers anyway. I mean, on our phone, on our televisions anyway. But the reset, the color on YouTube, I got to say, the overall pictures on YouTube suck. Um, I got a 65-inch television in my bedroom, 75 in the living room, and a 55. And um, when I'm watching something on YouTube, it sucks. It's not like watching something off of Netflix or Prime or something like that. Roku in general seems to have better. Well, we're on Roku now, and uh, we also will be on Amazon later in the year, probably uh, Apple and Samsung as well. So the Vizzo thing, I'm still I'm still waiting to hear, but it, it's something they're looking into. So right now what they're offering us is Roku, Amazon, Apple TV, Apple phone, Samsung TV, Samsung phone, and Internet television. So. So anyway, you'll be able to find us on any of that stuff pretty soon, and, and you'll be able to watch us with your just remote control laying in bed or doing whatever weirdness you're going to do. I was telling the host the other day, I better get ready because they're going to be able to see everything. You know, the, the higher the definition, because we broadcast in 1080p anyway, so the higher the definition, the more stuff you can see. I mean, you'll be able to see all the stuff behind us, uh, you know, what people's faces look like. I gotta say, 4K is great for some things, but for some things, it's not so much. Really, do I really want to see the ingrown hair in a per person's head or neck? I'm eh, not really, not, not really. So there is some advantages to digital. Um, that's just, uh, I mean, the human eye can only go so far. So now we're talking about 8K, and, and it's just for the average person, maybe with 2020 perfect vision. You might be able to enjoy it, but if you got funked up vision and funky, no, it's not helping you any. Yeah, it's a bigger picture, you know, that's all it is, but you're not really, you're not making out the rest of the definition. No, it's not the way it works. Uh, no, actually, we're going to talk about that just in a few minutes. We're going to talk about what does the government actually know about UFOs and UAPs and uh, what does it really matter, or does it really matter for that matter, that the government knows anything about it. So we're going to get that in a few few minutes. Um you know, I haven't asked the host if we were going to do a New Year's party this year. We usually do. 
a group of hosts usually get together and get smack and ass drunk and um, host a music party all night. Well, they talk and they do music and they talk and they do music. God knows what they're going to talk about. It's, it's the only time they're allowed to drink on air on the network. That's it. So if you if you want to drink on this network, you, that's the only time you can do it is on New Year's Eve. Well, we invite everybody. We invite past guests, anybody who wants to come by. Anybody's not out doing something. Uh, my year's been really busy this year. Like I usually go. Um, usually, there's a lot of Christmas stuff I go do before the Christmas. Like there's some neighborhoods I like to visit in New Orleans. They have the trees out in the front yard. They're really doing an eloquent job of really putting it together. There's some places up here in Mississippi I like to visit. Then there's some Christmas decorations like lights in the oaks in the city park and you know all them historic oaks and three and four two three four hundred year old oaks are beautiful lit up. I also like to see the displays up here. But Pensacola puts on a caroling. What they do is um so you can get on a little trolley bus thingy and you can ride around downtown Pensacola. And I think there's five. I'd have to go look for sure, but there's five or six or even seven places that stop where they carol. And you get out and they have hot chocolate and some of them have fake snow or actually real snow blowing. Uh, you know, it's, accumulated. it's just hilariously funny. Uh, a lot of them are good carols. It's a lot of fun. I mean, and you get to, if you're not familiar with downtown Pensacola, you get to ride around, you get to see some of the better restaurants, some of the better places to hang out, some of the sports bars, stuff like that. So it gives you an idea of what Pensacola really is. Well, a lot of people think Pensacola is a Navy town, and it partially is a Navy town. But there's a lot of other stuff going on. It's also a college town, there's, but there's a lot more stuff going on there because it's big tourist industry down there. You know, when you think of Pensacola, you think of Pensacola, but there's, well, no, there's Navarre Beach and there's Santa Rosa Island and all of the stuff that goes along with it. It's just beautiful down there. The water's an emerald green color. It's a great place to go UFO hunting, by the way. A lot of UFOs have been seen. That's where Ed Walter seen his was in Gulf Breeze, which... Actually, Golf Breeze is a, I guess you would call it a bedroom community, I'm sorry, a bedroom community of Pensacola. Uh, that's where they tend to hang out, you know. Um, Ed Walters lived right smack in the middle of this bedroom community in between Pensacola, Florida and Golf Breeze, I mean, not Golf Breeze, Santa Rosa Island, which is a big tourist area. So... Right there, I mean, I, I visited, the, you know, where his house was. I found out where his house was. Uh, I found out what school they were talking about. So when you're driving through Gulf Breeze, you can actually see the school. You drive right through the middle of the school, actually. And you can see the football field if you're going in off to the left, but if you're going out off to the right. But anyway, you can see it there. You can even see the spot. You know, it's not – you can't tell it was there anymore, but you can even see the spot where it landed. You know, according to the book, you can see exactly where it is. It's just interesting to go through. I've seen a lot of weird stuff down there. I've been I've been with a lot of different people. I've seen a lot of weird stuff down there. I've been with groups, small groups, large groups. It's weird. Uh, we were on vacation, and uh, one of the hotels we were staying at, Unsolved Mysteries, was there. <laughs> yeah, well, I was on vacation. I was not supposed to be doing any UFO stuff. I was on vacation. Unsolved Mysteries were there. We got to talk with them. We had a lot of time. Then they took us down to one of the fishing piers right there in Pensacola Bay, and um, there was about 400 people in Fishing Pier. The mayor was there. The police chief was there. A lot of big wigs were down there. And when we seen an event down there, that Unsolved Mysteries filmed. I've never seen it anywhere, but um, I've heard him talk about it before, but I've never seen it on film anywhere. I couldn't tell you why, um, unless it just didn't come out on the film. I never could get back in touch with the two gentlemen. I spent two days talking with these guys. 
and we had a good conversation, but for some reason I could never get back in touch with him uh, about what happened to the film. You know, I was curious, you know, why aren't we seeing this? I mean, it was excellent video. You just, this is one of those videos that, you know, you cry to see. And for some reason we didn't get to see it. It was, um, quick description. We're standing on a fishing pier. You see a green light under the water off in a distance. I don't know, about a half a mile, maybe a mile. And it's coming out the back bay. And it's cruising. You can see it under the water cruising pretty quick. Uh, it'd be like a jet ski on the water. It was just cruising along. And you see this thing, and everybody turns and looks. And we're watching, and it passes under the fishing pier. Then it passes under the two bridges, the Pensacola bridges going into uh, Gulf Breeze. Then it passes on the railroad trestle, and then it stops. And then it just comes out of the water, hovers out. It's just hovering, just coming out of the water. And it almost looked like hunks of gold. It looked like molten molten gold is what it looked like, just rolling off of it and big glops coming down, hitting the water. But there was nothing left on the water, so I don't know what it was. I'm assuming it was some kind of just the water rolling off, but because of the, whatever drives this thing, it was making it clump up like that. Because when it hit the water, it disappeared. And, and it was So it sat there. You know, we watched this thing sit there. Hovering over the water, just sat there and kind of floated a little bit left and right and just stayed there. And they got, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of video of this thing. And if it was gone, and it wasn't, it was gone like it streaked off. It was poof, like a door open and poof, like a door closed. Uh, it, it really was. It was just, it was there, then it was gone. And I, if I had a dollar for every UFO description I've heard like that, I'd be a multimillionaire. I, I mean, it was just crazy. When you you were looking at it and it was just and it was gone. It wasn't even a flash of light. It was just it was gone. It was like it just floated through whatever it went and just disappeared and closed up behind it. It was crazy looking. Um, I'm sure they had excellent video of it, and I'm sure they were zooming in on. Now, a lot of people complain, and myself included. Usually, if you're within a mile of a UFO, you cannot get footage of it. It doesn't matter what camera you got. You could be, no, it could be digital, high def. None of it matters. Even analog doesn't matter. It, it, something, something that gives off with it's a magnetic field or something disrupts the filming process. But it doesn't disrupt the audio process. You do hear stuff, which is weird. People, I said, we don't hear anything, but you hear stuff. Nothing you can really understand without actually seeing it. So maybe that's what happened. Because I would say we were within a quarter mile of this thing. Well, Maybe they still got the green light because it was about a mile out when they seen the green light. And then it just came on through. And when it came up, I know, um, and this is a weird thing when events like this happen. People forget to take pictures. Now, remember, there was 400 people in this thing. You would have thought you were saying, but you weren't. And even I was kind of dumbfounded for a minute. And then I realized I took out I took out my little Sony and started filming it. Well, my JVC, actually, it was one of the first JVCs that had a... Uh, a scan disk drive in it and I'm filming this thing and I'm taking a few pictures. And I noticed when I looked, when I took the pictures, all I got was a blob, like a blur. Uh, I, I zoomed in, zoomed out, checked it in the camera lens. It was perfect. But when I took the picture, it was always like this, this, this blob in the air. It's the only way I can describe it. Even though sometimes like in a couple of pictures, you could actually see the train track below it in front of it. You could even see the water, but this still was just like a blob. I don't know. It was weird. And I talked to a few other people on the bridge at night, and uh, I talked with the mayor, and he said his he didn't get any better pictures. So maybe that's what happened. Maybe Unsolved Mysteries decided just to tank it 
because there's nothing they could do with them. 400 witnesses, but still, and some really good witnesses. There were several ufologists there. Um, it was almost like a calling of people. It was just weird, some of the people who were there that knew this event was going to happen. I, I, nobody understood even how they knew the event was going to happen. I mean, I only ran into it because I found out about it because I was talking to the guys from Unsolved Mysteries. They only found out because they were talking about a ufologist who had heard, but no one actually could find the source of where it came from. But then, every, and I mean, there was a lot of people there, a lot of, a lot of big witnesses there, a few politicians there, and everybody witnessed this thing, and then poof, it was gone. And that was the end of that. And then we went on the rest of our vacation, which one day I'll get into a book for everybody. But getting back to what we were actually talking about. So I've got a lot of friends in the government. I've, I've talked about UFOs and yaps for a long time. I mean, I'm one of the few people who actually are in this field that actually have uh, stats that go along with it. I mean, I have uh, I mastered aircraft recognition aboard the Nimitz in less than a month. I could tell you any plane flying anywhere. And what gets great about this at night, most people don't notice, but the way the lights are set on different planes and the, and the type of flash or when the flash back and forth can give you an idea of the type of plane it is, which is crazy uh, to even know that. Um, but anything close within a couple hundred yards or even at some distance, you could tell quite a few of them uh, what they were, what, you know, what type of planes they were, uh, things like that. Sorry, guys, I'm resetting one of our servers while I'm talking to y'all. Somebody told me one of the radio servers wasn't uh, working correctly. So there it goes. It's reset now. I can see my big ugly head on it. So all of this stuff, you know, comes into play, you know. So, you know, I, most people know I have degrees in advanced avionics and advanced aircraft recognition and advanced electronics. That's what I got while I was in the Navy. Okay. I worked on jets. That's what I did. I worked on jets. I worked on the Conantown. I even got to work on Old Salty, which is the nuclear reactor. Um, the thing about it is with advanced degrees in electronics, I was all over the carrier. And I really knew a lot about how things worked, how things flew. I had to know advanced avionics to work on different planes. Not just on the planes. I had to know for the catapult systems. There's a lot of stuff I had to know, which really gives me a step up on most ufologists. Most ufologists don't have that. They don't even have aircraft recognition. And you can get basic aircraft recognition. There's courses you can take, but it's not like the ones you're going to get on board the Nimitz or even, and mine are kept up to date. So, I mean, it's, we've even recently taken courses on drones uh, so we can actually tell what's flying around. And then there's other things you can do. There's stuff called airport monitor. So airport monitor monitors all flights in the United States at all times. So you can, you can watch in real time. You can watch flights in real time. Military, it doesn't matter what they are. If they're classified, it, it won't give you anything but the, um, the flight number. It might not give you a destination, but it will give you where it took off from. Uh, some will still give you destinations. All of commercial flights and private flights give you both where they took off from and where they land. It's required by the FCC. Uh, so all of that stuff is, is available. So what I use this for is if I see something flying, let's say like one of the couple of sightings I gave to um, sci-fi for one of the shows they were doing. So here's one out. We, and I'll give you the definition. It was right, right around 5,000 feet and it was about eight miles out. And, uh, and the reason we knew this was is one, we had the horizon in. So we know where the horizon bends on the earth. Uh, we also knew what the cloud deck that day was. The cloud deck was about 5,400 feet. This thing was below the cloud deck and not far below it. 
So we knew it was around 5,000 feet. We also knew it was sitting stable because there was actually stuff moving around out there. There were ships moving around, other things moving around, planes moving around. But this thing was sitting stable. So it wasn't a pull. It was way out there and it was way up. It was big, whatever it was. It was fairly big. Uh, at least at least a 747 or a bigger size. Uh, it, was, it was big. Uh, so we had that. And then we ha also have uh, JTRAC, uh, which tracks the satellites. There's a couple of different ones that do it now, but JTRAC was the one we use. It's actually a different version we use now, but still you know, it tracks all satellite movement at all times. So if you think you got something, you can rule out airplanes and you can rule out satellites right off the bat. And if you just keep a regular weather program with you, you can rule out incoming weather and things like that. So, bam, you have done ruled away the major things that any UFO could be. Weather, whoops, you, you ruled that out, easily did that. Airplanes, whoops, you ruled that out, ooh, easily did that. Uh, satellite, whoops, you even ruled that out. Now, drones are a little different today because drones are flying around. And if drones are below, I think it's 500 feet, they do not have to report. So you have to be able to tell what a drone is and what a drone isn't. Mainly you can tell by movement and, and the way they move, but a good pair of binoculars never hurts to have. Uh, so usually you can catch them. Usually if you can see them by the eye, you can see them pretty good with a binocular that lets you know they were a drone or not. So you can rule them out that way. So all this stuff can be ruled out. Once you rule out all this stuff, you have what we would call a real UFO, a real unidentified flying object. Okay, you rule out all the possibilities that it could be. Natural phenomena, weather, uh, you know, being location can rule out natural phenomena most of the time. Weather can be ruled out. Flight can be ruled out. Drones can be ruled out. And satellite can be ruled out. So what the hell is it? At least you got something. Now, now when you go to talk to somebody, you say, well, we've done, we've done figured out. We've done all this, this work to rule all these out. And now this is what we have. This is, this is good. Uh, this is real research. It's not bullshit research. Somebody sitting on the back of their trunk uh, with a camera going, oh, that was a UFO. Bullshit. You don't know if that was a UFO. You're saying it's an unidentified flyer because it's a red light streaking across the sky. It could be any damn thing. It's not alien. And that's another thing. I hate when people instantly elaborate into UFO as an alien craft. Most UFOs are not going to be alien crafts. They're going to be either Oz or some stupid shit or something else. And drones today, a lot of people report drones as UFOs today. You know, have y'all watched the drone Christmas displays with a thousand drones and what they can do? Look, these, these things can make you think anything. You really have to have a trained eye. You really have to be paying attention. This is not, I mean, it's great that people go sky watching because I think it's a great thing to do. But don't think you're a, a UFO expert just because you go sit on the back of your car, you go riding with your friends at night. That does not make an expert. An expert is somebody who's actually trained in the field. And personally, I'm not a big thing of experts. I really, when it comes to UFO hunting, I really don't think there is an expert. I mean, I know people, I, like myself, I've been in it 40, 40, I'm sorry, 40 years. And I know people have been in it at least as long as I have. And we're not experts. We're, we're very trained observers, very well-trained observers. We really... We've really taken the time to educate ourselves to, so we can rule out a lot of stuff right off the bat. Same thing with yaps. I mean, any anything, well, TikToks are great, except TikToks don't tell you shit. Uh, no, they don't tell you anything. All they tell you is there's an object in front of you, and lots of things can give it that. Yeah, yeah there's a couple of shows y'all can go watch about this. There's several different things that can give a TikTok that shape of a UFO on the screen and not be a UFO. Or it not be an alien craft is what I should say. If you just heard what the United States government said the other day about UAPs, there was no evidence to suggest that any of them were alien aircraft. Okay, but yet 
they want to have a reporting system where it reports directly to the government and Congress now so they can track these things. But yet they're not supposed to be alien, okay? Now, all you have to do is bring up the Foo Fighters to prove that they're wrong. The only thing today, this is 80, 90 years later, um, let's see, yeah, yeah, 60, 80, almost 85 years later, uh, the only thing that even comes close to the Foo Fighters are drones. And drones can't move at the speeds Foo Fighters did, and they weren't those sizes of the Foo Fighters. But they could do stuff like ring themselves around a plane in flight. There's lots of stuff that drones could do that could resemble the uh, activity of a Foo Fighter back in the day. Well, against a, a type of plane like that. But an F-22 flying at Mach 3, the drone really isn't going to be able to keep up. Or, or Mach, even Mach 1, the drone's not really going to be able to keep up. Not a small one anyway. Even though they could probably ring around it if they could get catch up to it to do it, they really can't catch up to do it. But drones are the closest thing we have that can resemble the movement of the Foo Fighters, the way they moved around, ducked in and out, rolled around, interacted with each other, crisscrossed each other. Drones can do all that. We have very advanced software for that. But they can't move at those kind of speeds, and, and especially when and they can't really interact like that when they're the size of the, the things that they reported. These, you know, They said they were the size of fighters or larger. So it's not that we don't have drones that big. We do. But interacting them with the smaller ones is not quite the same thing. Uh, and again, they just cannot move. Hey, Jim, they just cannot move at the speeds the Foo Fighters did. So anytime someone tells you there's not evidence for extraterrestrials, that's bullshit. Uh, well, then you ask them, well, do the Russians have the Foo Fighters? Oh, wait, that's right. They said they weren't there. So, oh, no, we said they weren't ours. Oh, well, the Brits said, no, they're not ours. The Japanese said, oh, hell no, they're not ours. And remember, we conquered both the Japanese and the Germans. We took their technology. There was no Foo Fighter technology anywhere. And we still don't have it today. I mean, we got drones, but we don't have Foo Fighter technology. So right there proves that there was something flying in our skies, something very advanced flying in our skies that we still to this day have no idea or cannot even replicate 85 years later. So that's a hard one for Congress to write away. And there's other sightings that are hard. But the problem is, is most of them can be written away by stuff we're using. Well, there's a couple of programs out there. Um, one of the, there's actually two different programs that do this, one by the Air Force, one by the Navy. So they can make you think, they can make radar think that there's 5, 10, 50, 20, or 30 planes in the air. It's not so much a scare, it's, it's so they don't know which plane to shoot down. Yes, we've been doing this now for about a decade, decade and a half. Um, and like I said, there's two different programs that do this. Uh, you know what? You can probably catch it on, um, oh, I just recently seen a, a version of it on a UFO show. I'll get the information for you. Y'all can watch it. You can look them up, though. Both these programs are, are secret, but then they've been out. The information's been out on them for a while now, and they really, that's really what they do. So, I mean, you could, you could program them to look like other things. They don't necessarily... Hi, Teresa. They don't necessarily, Teresa, they don't necessarily have to look like a plane or this or that, but they can make them. So they can make them look like saucers. Yeah, as long as you got something out in the air that can project it or, or the radar can bounce off of, because a lot of times what they're doing is the radar is bouncing off of the plane we have in the area and going out into the area around it. So it's not hard to put a UFO out there in front of them, make it look like a flying saucer. We do have that technology today. That's not something that we don't have, and it's not overly classified that you can't, so you can't get information. It is out there, and there is information available on it, but that's today. Uh, but, you know, I, that's why one of my favorite things is let's talk about UFOs in the past because it's a lot easier to hoax UFOs today. Look, I can go right now. This is really easy. I can take my, my Apple 14 or Apple 13, whichever branch, Apple 13. 
I can take it. I can go out of my, my yard, take a picture of my bayou, come inside, upload that picture to my bayou, slide a UFO in there. I can even make the wake water underneath it like it's moving. I can make it shine like it's shining off the bridge. And then I can reload it back into my phone and say, look what I just took a picture of. And you can't prove it's a fake. Mm, not when you do it that way. There's no way to prove it's a fake because it all just melds together and goes into your phone. And if you do it twice, if you get it loaded and then load it back, you can really load it back. It's impossible to even try to even, this is just a waste of your time to even try to prove it's a fake. Uh, everybody's going to say, oh, it's CGI, it's this, that, and the other thing. And they would be right, but they couldn't prove it was. And that's the point, isn't it? So it's a lot easier to fake stuff today, but it's not that easy when you get back in the 40s and 50s and 60s or even the 20s. You know, most people don't realize this, but there were two UFOs that followed the Nola Gay when they went to go drop the bomb on Hiroshima. And it's talked about very rarely, and every once in a while you hear someone talk about it. But there was two UFOs that actually skirted along with this thing to watch them drop this bomb. I don't know if the aliens were thinking, oh, my God, they invented the bomb. Or, oh, my God, they're going to kill their own people. I'm not sure what the hell they were thinking here, but they wanted to watch us. We were thinking both. I really don't know. Um, I mean, would we watch another alien race? If, if we were advanced, would we watch an alien race light a nuke off on somebody? We probably would just to see how it happens. So we, we'd have more interest in, in, insight into ourselves. Um People ask me all the time, why won't the aliens come forward? Would you come here? Look, there's 200 different countries. 200. Each one's liable to treat you different. At least 150 of them are going to want to kill you and dissect you and steal your technology. So do you want to come here? Do you want to get caught here? At any, I mean, even the United States advances we're supposed to be, we'd, we'd strip down a UFO in a heartbeat if we could. The only one we ever got our hands on, though, we couldn't get it apart because they're, they're I don't know how to explain it, but where we use ribbons and stuff to put it together, they're like one piece. There's that's why when a UFO crashes, it's not going to break up. It's it's like molded into one piece. Um, well, if you're going to travel through space, deep space, at speeds faster than light, you need something that can absorb micrometeorites. So a micrometeorite, even at its own speed, could rip through the space station like it's nothing. That's why we have those inflatable things. So on the outside this play station, we have these things going all the way around that if something penetrates it, it inflates it to slow down the penetration so it doesn't insert into this inside. Yeah, it's cool stuff, actually. It's not the only place we've done that. We've got a version of that on the Avery tanks. <laughs> now it's electronic. In the old days, it was bolted uh, explosions. But, you know, we're thinking in the right ways. But that still isn't alien technology. That's just our technology. So let's get back to the government. Does, what, what, what do they know? And does it really matter that they know anything? So, you know, I always say, let's talk. <laughs> that was funny. Um, well, it doesn't really matter that they know that if aliens are here, because the aliens aren't telling them squat. Why do you think there's military abductions? Or why do you think they want to abduct? Okay, so everybody wants to make fun of abductees and say they're crazy and whatever and whatever and ever. But the government goes through great length to make abductions. I mean, Betty and Barney Hill's case was not, the case in America was not an alien abduction. It was an American. It was, it was us. It was probably some version of uh, some black ops and some CDC version put together. Yeah, because the way they describe it, that's not an alien abduction. I don't know what the hell that was. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, that's what the government, the only way the government's going to find any information is to find someone, someone that is really an abductee or contactee that's really been aboard a ship 
for any length of time and that's who they want to talk to because from there they can there's a lot of ways they can you know by taking certain types of samples they can kind of get an idea what the atmosphere was uh different things maybe you know some something you may have ingested or some type of food you may have eaten or something um they also can find out what your psychic and telepathic abilities are because in 2000 the u.s navy and the u.s air force came out they had ended their um their uh, remote viewing programs and opt so they could have psychic abilities. So they wanted people, well, they wanted people who were psychically aware of psychic ability because remote viewing is cool. You can, if you're a remote viewer, you can pick a target and you can go find a target. Like, all right, I need to find this missile in the middle of uh, wherever. So they find the missile. But the problem is, all right, they found a missile. What the hell are they going to do with it? Are we going to go blow up a, a Soviet missile? No, we're not. But a telepath, can get the code for the Soviet missile and make it stand down. There's a difference between, it's a big difference. The remote viewers are looking for a target, whereas telepaths are generally either in the person's head or looking through the person's eyes. That's a much big difference. Oh, I, I'm, I think both of them are useful. No, Claire, I think both of them are useful now. I really do. I think I think if, if you use remote viewers to find specific targets so that the telepath knows where to go, it'll make it much easier and much faster. And between the two, they can get the information that they're seeking. But remember, we're not the only country that knows what remote viewing or what telepathy is. What do you mean telepathy is not real? There, there are a dozen colleges that have done studies on telepathy. They think it's completely real. Not just in this country. There's been in other countries it's done. Like I said, the Navy and the Air Force came out in 2000. You go look it up for yourself and uh, talked about they would start a remote, I mean, uh, um, telepathic ability they were looking for people who were telepaths uh, because they want to know. They, they, they want to know. So let's say there's a we got a flight going into Iran and we have a telepath and we can get into whoever's running the general, whoever's there, and know what their countermeasures are. We can, we can go around them or we can take them out. It's just, you ever wonder how we just completely just rolled over Iraq without any effort at all? With barely any deaths and uh, American deaths, and, and just completely rolled over them, and here's poor Russia and Ukraine getting its ass kicked. Um, it's a big difference, isn't it? Makes you wonder what's actually going on. Uh, no, the government doesn't know squat. That's the problem. The, okay, first you had this big thing. The government we we've done all kind of programs, top secret programs, sort of secret programs. When trying to find out if alien existence is real. The government knows aliens are real. The problem is that they don't know anything about the aliens. That's why they're so interested in everybody else. That's why we keep having these programs. We don't give a shit what's flying in the skies. They've been knowing things have been flying in the skies for decades. Uh, there's nothing they can do about it. And there's no way they can shoot them down. So they're not. that's not what they're looking for. They are looking for the people that have had direct contact that can actually put information on their plates. Because aliens aren't talking to them. People tell me, oh, the ETs talk to the government. I'm talking about bullshit. Why, why would any alien want to talk to our government? I mean, give me one reason why. Somebody told me the other day, well, they abducted our people. And what, have we been able to stop them? No. So why, did, why do they care? Mm, the reason why is every now and then they do do a handoff where they take an abductee and they hand it back off to the government for whatever reasons. And then the government releases that person. Uh, maybe it's so the government knows they're not completely destroying people's minds or souls or whatever it is. But still, for the most part, the government don't even know who's being taken. And you know this. This is this is why we're going back to Benny and Barney Hill. So 
here's the hills. We're going to talk about Barney Hill. If y'all know who Barney Hill is, y'all should go look him up. So back in the day, Barney was a young kid. He's had mental institutions, mental problems, all kind of weird problems. He was seeing things, hearing things, experiencing things. And his mom had bring bringing him to different psychologists and somehow or another, he got into a military base where, where they seen him and they started seeing him. So now the military knows when the boy's being taken or has been taken would be a better way of saying it. Okay. So as he matures into a man, all of a sudden these two colonels out of nowhere befriends him. He's a post officer. He's a postal worker. He's not even anybody big. He's just a postal worker and two air force colonels. Colonels, colonels are, are almost admirals is what colonels are. Colonels are way up the totem pole. They're making big money. They're usually not chin-chinging around with people not in their social circles, which he would not have been. Then out of the blue, somehow or another, one ends up living with Barney. He's friends with Barney. The colonel comes lives with the boy. And he's only living like, I mean, six blocks from the base. So you're thinking to yourself, how does this guy have these kind of ties? Maybe it's somebody he went to school with. Maybe so. We don't know. But he has ties. But now the government knows when he's being taken. So they, they're watching him. Anytime he just disappears or goes on, they know when he comes back, they're going to try to take him. So put this in perspective. The Hills were on vacation. They were in Canada, hanging out with the Canucks. So they stayed at a hotel, and then they had breakfast. So they stayed at this hotel. I think they said two days. We're going to say one, but I think the, the thing was two days. So they stayed at this hotel. They left the hotel, went exact, directly across the street, and had breakfast. Okay? So when they, were, when they were asked about their day, they could not name the hotel. Now, most of y'all are going to remember the hotel you stayed at. Whether it was good, bad, or crappy, you're going to remember the name of the hotel you stayed at. You're usually going to remember the place you had breakfast. And now if you're having breakfast across the street from the hotel where you can see the big flashing sign, you're really usually going to remember this. Okay. So, but we'll say, all right, whatever reasons, maybe they were all lovey-dovey or something was going on. They just weren't thinking. Maybe they were loaded up in pot or something. I don't know. So next question was, explain the rest of their day. Well, they really couldn't tell anybody where they had been that day. They did remember stopping and asking for directions. Betty described the gentleman as a white Irishman, white, red-headed Irishman. Very, very graphic detail. Couldn't remember she said he was a cop or not, but she gave a very detailed uh, description of this gentleman. Barney described him as a black cop. Okay. Lily white Irish guy, you know, know, really white skin, uh, red, red hair, and then the other guy is a black cop in a blue uniform. I mean, you can't get much more contrast than this. This is the same person, mind you. This is the same person they said they both spoke to. This is classic alien abduction 101. Um, so all of this happens. They lost a bunch of time. So they're going back to the United States. They get back in the United States. I think they were in Connecticut, if I remember right. And they saw this ship in the air. It came by and something came out of it and touched the car and the car quit running. Sounds like they had some type of, uh, I wouldn't call it an EMP, something probably electrical. Because they said there was three marks on the back of the car, like the magnetic marks. So they probably rolled something down, and this thing was probably a dirigible anyway, and they rolled something down out of it, shocked the car, and stopped it. Uh, Their words was, four men, black shoes, black pants, black shirts, and black duckbill caps came down the stairs of the ship, walked across the highway, took them out of the car, looped their arms under them, walked them back across the highway, and walked them up the stairs and back into the ship. Now, I've been doing alien abduction research for 40 years. I've never heard a description like this, not once, except for this one. I have never, ever heard an alien abduction like this ever. So while they're in there, 
Barney, Betty talks about swinging doors, uh, drawers that open with books in it, pull down maps. This is her words. Now, Betty tried to change that in her new book. She tried to say it was digital this, digital that, but that is not what Betty said. Betty said, you can go listen for it yourself. This tapes are still available at all the interviews they did in the 70s. You can listen for yourself. She said it was a pull-out drawer and a pull-down star map. Her words and not mine. So I'm thinking this does not sound like an alien ship. It sounds more like something our government had. So then they go in, they do hair, nail, and skin samples. So they take a razor blade, a razor blade, and scrape skin samples. They use needles to take blood samples, and they take urine samples. And I'm thinking this just sounds classic CDC contamination to me. Classic. This does not sound alien abduction. So I did a rewrite on the case and said that the abduction happened in Canada and the they were probably the first known military abduction happened in the United States. Oh my God, you thought I would have shot somebody. Man, half the community came down on my ass like a ton of bricks. Stanton Friedman was cussing me. Uh, Kathleen Baldwin was cussing me. So I did a debate with him. I said, I will debate anybody on this. I'm right and y'all are wrong. There's no doubt about this. And when you listen to the different tapes, uh, there, there are three, there's several sets of uh, hypnosis tapes you can still get your hands on. And there are lots and lots of interviews that they did. If you go listen to all of this information, you will know what I'm saying is the truth. Uh, because matter of fact, Barney, because there was a couple of sets of memories involved here in the hypnosis. So Barney actually remembers this. He, he said that these were military people. He never said they were aliens ever. He did say he had been taken by aliens and he gave a description of alien, but he did not say that was going on in this, this particular event. Betty's the one that said it was an alien. She described him as some short guy that looked like, uh, what was a big guy with the big long nose? I can't think of his name right now. He was a comedian. Um, from way back in the 20s and 30s or something. But uh, she said he looked like him. Barney never gave that description. He always said they, they were military and he thought they were, he just thought they were military. And that's what the military had taken and that's what was going on. Betty's the one that made it into an alien abduction because they were abducted probably earlier that day or the night before they had been taken. But uh, Barney was the abductee. I never think Betty was the abductee, by the way. I think Barney was. It's possible they both were. It doesn't, it's, but I, I just, the feeling I get really suggests that it was Barney. And main reason why is as Betty aged and started talking with other researchers, her stories changed. And then other abductions were happening, other newer things and better things. And oh, we know to start. There's just a lot of, a lot of, I need to stay in the press stuff went on. That's all I can call it. But I would have been glad to put any of them under polygraph. Now, just you, you, Betty, I mean, Barney died at fairly young, and, and Betty, nobody was going to let you voice stress or polygraph. I knew several people who knew, and it was just not going to happen. Um, so, but if you go back and actually pay attention to what everybody's saying, Barney is the contactee. He's the one with those memories. And when he has these memories, there's one, one tape you listen to, Simon's is doing, he's screaming. Betty's never screaming at any of these. He's screaming his ass off. He's in fear. He knows this is an alien. He's talking about the person, the being he's seeing. He is not telling you it's a, a, a cop or anything like that. He really thought the guys with the, um, I forgot what agency he said he thought they were from, but he thought they were from a government agency uh, that were checking them out for whatever reason. And then it, somebody brought it out because they were black and white. This happened to them. 
I don't think it had anything to do with they were black and white. I just think that's who the aliens he had to he married and he drug her into his alien abductions. Uh, and that's what went on. But a lot of people get mad because we redid the account of Betty and Barney Hill. But it's it's the truth. It's more coherent. It's much better than the original argument for the case. And I guarantee you if the hypnosis was alive today, he would say it was a much better argument too. The hypnotherapist, I should say. Um, because when you listen to him, you know, they're given, they're given, when you bring them back, the regression that brought them back to the hotel, they're definitely were, were aliens involved. And then when they come forward and they talk about the, the other one in the United States, he's talking about people in black shoes, black shirts, black duck bill hats. They don't have alien faces. They have human faces. He's talking about humans. So this was the first time the government itself had probably ever had the advantage of having someone they knew had been on board a ship and had gone through procedures. That's why they took him. They wanted all of these samples that they get, and they wanted to get in his head and see what was, what it was about. And that's why they were always around him his entire life. And it may be why they, he checked out earlier. Someone checked him out early. It may have been why. Uh, but it's, it's the cases themselves, you know, shed light on military abductions. And, and um, I know Carla Turner, had done a lot of work on military And then she, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, ended up with stage four cancer, killed her too quickly. And she was the one who broke alien, I mean, military abduction research. She was the first one to break it. She had a lot of good cases. And um, she, her research had turned me on to some Air Force, some, some women who were in the Air Force who had been having similar experiences. And that led me to an interview with someone else I had heard, which led me to an interview with Melinda Leslie, who... Melinda Leslie and I got together and started talking about military abduction. We even did a special on Coast to Coast about it. And uh, we, we, it was something we worked on for quite some time, and they happened. But they only happen. This is why I tell abductees, it's not always best for you to go forward or go public. Because if you go public, let me say, if you go public and say this, that, or happened to you, it's nothing important, they're not going to bother with you. But if you go forward and you say you've seen operations of the ships or you've been around certain parts of the ship or you've been able to help, maybe they let you do a little navigation or something, they want you. They want to know what the hell you know. Um, now, from what I've heard from abductees, the greys or reptilians in them are not always um, happy when they take one of their abductees. Sometimes they'll go retrieve them, especially if somebody knows something they don't want the government to know. So that tells you right there that the aliens are willing to go remove someone that they've taken from someone in the government that's taken them because they don't want the government to know this. The government has no idea what they're here for, not a clue. I got a lot of friends in different levels in the government, and they, will, they all told me the same thing. They know different stories and different things, but none of them know why they're actually here, why they take our citizens, why they're doing what they're doing, because there's been no real modification to our citizens. Um, other than O negative blood being entered in our society some 45,000 years ago, 35,000 years ago, there's been no real otherness in our things. People tell me all the time, you know, oh, it's because of telepaths. And, you know, the government knows that there's latent telepaths. And some, no, it's not true. Because only abductees are telepaths anyway. Not The majority of the population does not have the telepathy gene. They just don't have it. You don't have to believe me on this. This is an easy test. I mean, ICAR's been giving this test now for 25 years. It's an easy test. You can go to any mall and tell the mall people what you're going to do. They'll let you do it. I set up a little sign. We'd like to check your telepathy and see if you have telepathy or not. Get a deck of cards. Get some big cards with some big numbers and some big colors on it. Put the cards in front of you. Okay. 
red and green, blue and yellow, whatever, you know, do some Ukrainian colors, blue and yellow. And then ask the person to pick, tell you what colors on what side, or just to pick a color in general or to pick a number in general. You will find out that <clears throat> even when it's only 50, 50, cause you can tell them what the two numbers are. <clears throat> we usually don't. We usually give them a one to 10 range. But even if you tell them most of the time, they won't get it right. <clears throat> no, it's even if it's 50, 50, a lot of times we'll get it wrong 60% of the time. Same thing with flipping a coin, by the way. Do it yourself. Uh, just flip a coin and see how many times you're right versus how many times you're wrong. If you're not a telepath, or you, it wouldn't even matter if you're a telepath, that I'd see in the future, but uh, that's telekinesis. You're not going to get it right most of the time. Unless you can see in the future, you're just not going to get it right most of the time. You're going to get it wrong. So for us, we've learned a, long, a, a valuable lesson that you're, no, nobody who's not telepathic or empathy is an abductee. That's a prerequisite. Uh, if you come to me and tell me, well, I've been taken by aliens, I want first thing I'm going to find out is if you're empathic, and it's not hard to find out. And then I'm going to see if you're a telepath, what, what level telepath you are. But still, because it's I don't know when they started, you know, way back when they started taking the family lines, how many ever tens of thousands of years ago it was, or how many ever thousands of years ago it was. Uh, maybe they knew these family lines were going to produce this. And remember, this was a long time ago. So in today's world population, that's a big group of people. 1.5 billion is what Alfred Weber told me one time, live on the air, and I'm still getting phone calls about it. I mean, the Australian science community wrote three different articles on me. Thank you very much. So when I sent them a blood type st st study, they were like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, I don't mind arguing with anybody. When, when, I know the, when I know the data is real and the research is strong, I'll, I'll argue with anybody. It doesn't matter what kind of degrees I got. I have a bachelor's in science. I'm not scared to argue about it. It's uh, one of the things you have to do in the field. And you can have all kinds of degrees. I mean, um, who is it in the field that has a, he's an English professor. He's an English teacher and he's now he's a ufologist that knows more about everybody else in the field. I don't know what to say about that. I just don't. Yes, Marty, I, I know you wrote me that, but I, I have no idea what the hell that means. If you do your homework and your research, but reading past works is not going to help you. Um, you can read all you want about anything that happened in the past, but first off, you have to know the accounts were verified. So if you're just reading past accounts that other people put down in past books, you don't know if they're verified. You're just reading other people's work and putting it together. And, and yes, you need to know the work at least some way verified. But, but like I said, UFOs are not going to change anything. A good friend of mine, Stephen Bissett, you know, he always talks about feet on the ground and, and getting to the truth. The government doesn't have the truth. That's the problem. Trying to get the truth out of government is, is a waste of time. They don't have the truth. The aliens have the truth because there's already been disclosure on this planet. And what I mean by that is if you're an abductee, you've been disclosed to. If, especially if you're a keeper or a communicator or somewhere along that range of, of, of working with the, the alien, you've been disclosed to. You know what the disclosure is. You know what's going on, or at least you have an idea what's going on. You mean why? It's, okay, it's not why so many people think there's goodness coming, because that's not really true. So ICAR somewhere, it's some phenomenal amount of abductions. Now. Well, in the beginning, there was 10 of us. Then there was 20 of us, and there was 100 of us. Just in, just in India alone, we have 100 people working. We probably have about the same in China. Uh, to the rest of Asia, well, no, there's, there's, we have several thousand members now, way more than MUFON does. 
And uh, they are all doing something for us. Well, we started out, We well, here, real quick. We started out with 5,000 cases that we had gotten from MUFON when I was a director for MUFON. I got them from Walt Anders, personal stash file. We went through those, me and a couple of friends of mine who were, are actually past now, uh, and found what we, we thought were commonalities amongst those abductions. We actually went through about 12,000 cases, and, and, and 5,000 of them had these anomalies. So then, um, we a couple of years after that, we formed ICAR because MUFON was like the black hole of Calcutta. Whatever your game just disappeared, or you never heard anything back about it. And they still, even to this day, aren't real big about doing abduction research. They say they are, but you don't really see them putting out anything about it. They like to talk, oh, yeah, we're the best, we do this, but it's mostly bullshit because they really don't put anything out. If they if they were that good and they got all that money, they should have beat me to a lot of answers we've came up with, but they didn't. And the fact that they missed a blood type study shows to me that they're rank amateurs at best. Um, so, you know, they were doing their thing, we were doing our, so they, they're the reason we formed, they're directly the reason why ICAR got formed. Because there really wasn't anybody doing abduction research. We weren't really worried about UFO research. They could do all they wanted. They had them and quite a few other, a few other people out there doing it. But chasing lights and sky is never going to get you the truth of extraterrestrials. So we started out and we had those 5,000 cases. And a group out of Brazil joined us. And they had about 6,500 cases on mainly on human type aliens. But they had that case. We ran into a group in Milan, Italy. Who had roughly about seven thousand five seventy somewhere between sixty five and seventy five hundred cases uh, dealing with reptilians and greys. Uh, so we, we ended up with those cases, uh, those different ones. And then we we actually another group had joined us, and we had right there just four years in, we were already up to I think twenty six thousand, twenty seven thousand abduction cases, uh, which the website needs to be updated severely. I just never get around to it, but um. So right there, and, that, and, and now the organization's 20 years older than that, with directors all over the place. Uh, last time I had talked with Barbara and Mark, they, they one said uh, 93,000, one said 107,000. So I'd have to actually go sit and pull up the, well, I can't pull it up here. None of our, none of the people who are top ICAR execs, their computers are not connected to the internet ever. So even when we get new research coming in that we're going to do on the internet, we take it and we put it on a thumb drive, delete it off of whatever computer we're on, and then put it into the new database. It goes into the database. Well, I think there's six of us or seven of us that actually have a database each because we got worried that, you know, somebody might get one or it might be a fire or something else might happen. And you can't just enter it. It's, it's, it's 128-bit encrypted. Originally, it was 64-bit. Now it's 128-bit encrypted. Uh, you have to have a special disk in it. Uh, to get into it or a special thumb drive just to get into the system. Other than that, if you try to access it more than three times, adios amigos. You know, no, it'll burn the drive. It'll just burn the drive. Well, because we're not like MUFON. We're not a 501c3. We're not spitting all our information out to the world. We're a private investigation organization that's funded privately. Yes, the organization is, has a couple of people that fund it. And we're into the research and we're into protection of the people involved in this. See, a 5013C, if the government wants the information, they can just come take it. Matter of fact, anyone listening to me tonight, if you want to know what MUFON's finances are, you can actually request it. A 5013 is, oh, yeah, it's government. Yeah, oh, yeah, buddy. They cannot hide there anything. 
Uh, they're supposed to make their complete expenditures on their website every year available for anyone who wants, not just members. So we didn't want to let people know who was donating to us. We didn't want to get people who was working for us. We didn't want any of our researchers or our, 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 our abductees to come into any danger at all. Well, at any given time, there's going to be a couple of dozen cases on everybody's computers. But those are all going to be new cases. All the older cases are protected. Well, it's funny. So let's say I'm looking for something specific, like the color red with some sound or some smell associated to it. I'll take it at whatever information I got on this one. And I'll take it and put it on thumb drive. And then I'll go on the other computer and put it, bring up the program and bring it. And it'll, it'll do a search for everything that's on it. Well, as far as everybody keeping up to date every so often, uh, we know where our data stopped. So there's actually a tag number. So we just send off to the others. They send it to us and we, we, everybody updates our computers. It's a great system. Actually, um, a friend of mine, Kelly, originally set it up way, way back when, and then we just been modifying it ever since. Well, at one point, it had to be rewritten. We should have done a great job, but it was, it was, it had become well too bogged down. Is what happened. There was too much shit in it. But it's a great system. It works really good, and it keeps a lot of our information safe. Um, you mean to get that high up? Oh man, you kind of. <laughs> you're gonna have to take it you're gonna actually have to take a polygraph and a voice stress analysis and you're gonna have a background check done on you oh yeah that's we're not playing around it's not this is not for kitties this is not for babies this is for people who want to know the truth it was never in it to get famous it was always in it to get to the truth someone asked me last night well why am i in radio because i got tired of having to wait to be invited to speak here and invited to speak there you know, I got to speak a lot of different places, but I was looking, I was in a hurry. You know, I got on coast several times. I've been on coast four or five times now, but I was looking to move along fast. And I've been on other radio shows and stuff like that, but sometimes you get invited to these AM and FM shows. They're really trying to make fun of you, which is hard to do with me, but a lot of them always want to try that along the way or something. So um, I got on a show called Wake Up USA, which I really didn't know nothing about radio at the time. And uh, him and I did a good job for about three years. I was, uh, I think it's fifth host. And a friend of mine in Hong Kong who owned a radio station there calls me up one day, says, look, I'm going out of business. I'm going to retire. I want to hand you over what we have, our servers and our stuff in Hong Kong. This was a few years before China took Hong Kong back. And I'm like, really? So we got it set up. And then I got my uh, other show going on at Wake Up USA. And then the guy who owned uh, – Wake Up USA, which wasn't me. He is he owned Riverside, Riverside, Iowa. What is it? Uh, sixteen ninety FM AM, and he got mad. He he didn't want it on there. I was like, well, okay, well, Jeff, you've been great to me in nine yards. So that's when UFO on the cover started, which was about twenty two years ago, or twenty one years ago, and we put it on that network. And then I asked some of my directors and some of our chat room hosts, would you like to try to get your own show going? Next thing I knew, we had thirty shows. And they were doing pretty well in the United States. We were like in 10 states and uh, we were in Hong Kong doing pretty well. And uh, we did a couple of shows. I went on coast to coast and, and George Nord, by the way, plugged the hell out of us one night. Probably he's probably the reason we got in all 50 states as fast as we did. Now, currently over 400 American cities, all every country where including places like South Korea, I mean, North Korea, even Venezuela, even Cuba, we're, we're all over Russia and China. Um, because what happened with China, when, when China took back Hong Kong, um, a couple of weeks went by 
nothing happened. I get a letter saying, hey, would you like to come to China with your equipment? Would you like us to bring you to China and set you up in some service here? And I, I gave them the information and they wrote me back and I uh, said, okay, well, there's going to be some stipulations, but we'll get back in touch with you. And about two months past, I get a phone call uh, from, I don't know, whatever, People's Republic Radio or something. And they called me up and they said, hey, look, as long as you don't hate on Xi Jinping, you're welcome to come into the, to China. We're looking for stuff like this because China kind of frowns on UFO and paranormal stuff in, in some parts. And uh, they let us in. Next thing I knew, we was in Beijing. We was all over China in less than five years. We were, we were in major provinces in China. And uh, so we're, we're on, I think, 21 servers over there. Uh, they take good care of us. They like us. We have a good audience over there, anywhere from 200,000 to 2 million. Uh, and that's how we got there. And that was our thing. We were trying to get places so we could get people to come tell us their experiences. This show goes out to every country on the planet. And it's going to go in archive. It's, it's going to do 2 or 3 million tonight. It's going to go in archive. It's going to do a half a million to a million. And it helps us to get people who have had experiences. Um, and since people know we're very serious about it, it cuts out a lot of the bullshit for us. And when we send them to the website to fill out, <laughs> yeah, no, Gloria, I know you filled it out. The, um, the form, the form is very detailed. It's very long. It's very detailed. And it takes several hours to get through it. Most people will, it was designed like that intentionally. November Hansen, who's a good friend of mine who helped me design all of this, uh, who's retired now. Uh, God bless our tree fell in our house. November, I hope, I hope, you know, it's taken care of for you. Um, we got all this set up and she asked me, why are we doing it? Like this? I said, because I don't want, I said, people who this has really happened to, they will make it through this because they want us to know. I said, people are bullshitting us. We'll never get through this. They'll, they'll just go on their way. Uh, so, and they're like, they're very advanced. A lot of fun to take. Uh, we have several different, uh, surveys running at all times we usually keep more than nine to ten surveys running at all times and some of these surveys now are running let's see uh, the blood type study is 12 years old 2010 i believe either 12 or 13 years old and uh the human gray and reptilian studies are about 15 years old each 16 years old each so they've been around for a while and they're continuously running non-stop 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are the only organization that does it. We're the only organization. Most of the stuff you hear that we've asked, we're the only organization that ever thought about asking it. Um, because most people are in for the excitement and we're in for the truth. And that's the real difference. We're really looking for what really happened and what can be done about it for anything. Um, Joe Jordan, who is a uh, alien resistant movement. He says that he's been able to stop alien resist alien abductions by using the name, invoking the name of Jesus. So I asked him one day on the air, and we were having radio. I was in Roswell, by the way. Uh, Guy Malone's a friend of mine. He's a friend of his. And I asked him, I said, well, if that's true, do you mind if I regress a couple of them, hypnotize them, and find out if that's what's really going on? When they, when they invoked the name of Christ, did it stop? I'm curious because if it worked, because remember, we're like everybody else. If we can stop them, we want to stop them because you know, not all abductions are fun and friendly. Uh, usually, you know, the child, the children don't have it too bad. People in puberty from 12 to 30, it's, it's horrible. And then after that, it changes a lot. But, um, yeah, we wanted to figure that out. But anyway, so I asked him. So um, Tree Sheridan came to me. I haven't talked to her in a long time. She got mad at me over a friend of ours who's passed away. Uh, we used to be a manager of a radio network. And turns out she was still having alien abductions. 
So I talked to a few others and I did about 10 people that had said that they, they were still having alien abductions. I ended up going through about 40 or 45 people out of his group uh, that all that said that they had invoked the name of Christ and had stopped and come to find out they were still having alien abductions. Now, I kind of felt guilty about that because I got a rule about whatever makes you feel as snug as a bug in a rug is what you should believe. So I broke my rule there because I needed to know the truth. It was a little bit greedy on my side. And it was a little bit on their side because, you know, they, they really thought that's what happened. But under hypnosis, they realized that the aliens just let them believe that. They said, yeah, that's fine. If that's what you want to believe, we don't need any cover memories. We can just use that. So they did. And then we found out that it wasn't true. So well, it's not that. I mean, it's not whether you believe in Christ or not. It's whether it's Christ going to get involved in every alien abduction on the planet. Remember. If aliens do exist, the creator created them. So why would he interfere with his father's work? Yes, you see, it becomes a sticky wiki then, does it? Uh, or even his own work. Why would he? Because we don't know. He may know what's going on with aliens. He might know what their reason is for being here. And he may not want to interfere with it. So, you know, when they started saying like that, Joe started saying they took a big leap of faith here that there were no aliens. Or if they were, they weren't created by God our guy, you know, so that was a big leaf. That was a bad thing to do. So we figured it out pretty fast that that's not what was going on, that they were still having these abductions. So, so you cannot get to the truth without abductees. The problem is, is finding the abductees that are real, that have not been brainwashed by some group trying to get them to believe whatever they're going to believe. Uh, you know, somebody asked me one time, are abductions good, bad, or, um, are they good, bad, or something worse? And I'm like, well, honestly, abductions are all of this, all of the above. So if you haven't experienced all of the above, you're not really an abductee. That's the best way I can say it. Because abductions start at pre-birth and run through your entire life. It's not, you don't just start getting abducted tomorrow. Like a lot of people say, oh, it started for me at 50. No, that's when you started remembering. That's not when it started for you. But then when you start hearing what they're saying, you know they're lying. Um, it doesn't take me long to figure out a liar. And I, you know, I'm pretty hard on when I push for questions. If you start he hesitating and start having to think about what you're saying, I know you're lying to me. And of course, when I ask you if you're willing to take a polygraph or a voice dress and you tell me no, I also know you're lying to me. I'd take a polygraph tomorrow about any of my experiences or a voice dress. It wouldn't matter to me either way. And almost everybody who works in this organization would do well. Everybody who works in an organization already has. But uh, almost every abductee and contact that we have would take one. Because they they're wanting to because they, they they want to be vindicated. They want people to know that it's the truth. Only people who are lying or looking or in this for other reasons are not going to be willing to take one. That's just what it comes down to. Yeah. Well, remember Travis Walton. Everybody in his group did, including him. He was he's been polygraphed more times than I can think of. More than a dozen times this man's been polygraphed and has passed every time. And still, that's not enough. It's not. I, I like Travis. I, I've talked to Travis many times over the years. I haven't talked to him in the last five or six, but uh, I've talked to him many times over the years. He's been on this network many times. I think he's a good guy, uh, and I think he's a lifetime abductee and just doesn't realize it. Um, even though when we talked last time, I kind of freaked him out a little bit. But still, what does the government know? Nothing. And let's say the government knew about UFOs and, and UAPs. What does that mean? Nothing. Knowing about a spacecraft is not the same as knowing about the extraterrestrial inside the spacecraft. 
That's what it comes down to. They can tell you, oh, well, that might be an alien spacecraft. Okay. What does that mean for me? What does that mean for you? What does that mean for everybody on planet Earth? Well, the government don't know because they can't tell you. And when is, how is the aliens going to pick a government? Are they going to pick the Russians? Are they going to pick the Chinese? Are they going to pick the Americans? Are they going to pick the Brits, the French? Everybody wants the French, even though they keep getting their city blown up. Paris keeps getting blown up all the time. But you know, everybody loves the French. Come on. But that's the point. How can you give one power on this planet that kind of power and not think it's going to corrupt them? Absolutely. Because absolute power corrupts absolutely. And, and we're just not ready for it yet. We're, we're just bad babies in the woods. I mean, we're just, we're bare ass babies in the woods is what I should have said. It's one of them things. And do you want, to, let me ask y'all this, to the Americans listening to me tonight, do you want Joe Biden having the power of an extraterrestrial? Would you? I sure the hell wouldn't. I wouldn't want Trump to have it either, whoever wrote that. No, hell no. I, I can't think of anybody living in this country today that I want to have extraterrestrial powers to. No. They all scared the living shit out of me. Look at our government, and you think aliens want to be involved in that. That's really the biggest kicker. When you look at our world and our politics, do you really think aliens want to be involved in our politics? Even if they have their own complicated version of politics, do you really think they want to be involved in ours? Hell no. And most of these races are quite a bit older than we are. It's not that there's... So if you look at the reptilians, the humans, and the greys, they're way older than we are. Anywhere from anywhere from 500 million years to a billion and a half years older than we are. But like the tall whites Charles Hall talked about, they seem to only be a few hundred to a few thousand years ahead of us. Just like the black-eyed people, they're, they're probably around the same technological level as we are. Oh, I'm not talking to ones people think are paranormal or demons or whatever. There are some black-eyed people that um, other contactees have seen in their homes and on board the ships. They're keepers. Just like human keepers, they're just keepers. They're doing the same thing. They're out communicating, keeping. They're out trying to get this into their communities and stuff. Sometimes they're brought with the aliens to help with us because they're really like us in a lot of ways. And with the exception of those cold black eyes they got, um, they really are just humans in the sense of whatever human is. Uh, so it's, it's strange. And on board the big ships, they're there a lot. They're, they interact with regular humans all the time. And it's not a hostile inter interaction. It's like, well, guess what? The same shit's happening to us. Uh, it's, it's more like that. There seems to be other races there too that are having this done to them. So it's not even like we're, we're alone anymore in the fact that we're not the only ones being probed like this. What's that, Carol Sue? I love that name, Carol Sue. Yes, I do. Uh, Carol Sue, yes, I do. What you got for me? <sighs> okay, it's a lot to read, so I'm going to kind of just squinch it down. So for most people, regardless what age you are, from young person to puberty to 30s, 50s, 80s, 70s, it really doesn't matter. Most of the time, this is going to manifest in your dreams. It'll start to manifest in your dreams. You'll even start to have daydreams about it as it starts to manifest more and more in your dreams. This also triggers uh, things like the sighting of UFOs. Certain smells will trigger. Ozone tends to trigger a lot. Uh, there's other smells besides that will trigger a lot. Also, ultra clean has a big trigger effect. And what I mean is, I don't know how to explain it. So when people talk about being on board the big ships, there's no smell at all. 
So you're breathing this fresh air. The air feels fresh and gives you a sense of fresh air. But you know, here when we smell fresh air, it's usually got a piney smell or this smell or whatever smell to it. That's not how it works there. Um, and since there's quite a few aliens living in the same complex, breathing the same air, it seems to suggest that there are quite a few oxygen-breathing species in this solar, in this galaxy. Unless each one of them has their own little device and it's all ge geared to humans, and I don't believe that even one bit. Well, we may be different to answer Johnny's question. We may be di different in the fact that um, the human race came here a couple million years ago. They just showed up. They found this planet with 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 human-like things running around. Not monkeys, but human-like things running around. They really couldn't, they, they weren't from a planet like this, and they really couldn't breathe the atmosphere. So they built these dome cities, and they started to create a generation of them that could breathe here. Not not humans or anything, just a generation of whatever kind of alien they are. So they they read, they read yeah, they change themselves uh, so they could have a people living here that could go out on the planet and do the things that they couldn't do. So that, that race got back with the older race and said, hey, look, we're not this kind of place. We're not for mining. We're not for digging. It's not where we are along our evolution. Can we make a race from this planet? So they found this, whatever this creature was. And according to them and the Sumerians, there was seven different types trying to work, from dog-headed to eagle-headed to several other kind of heads. And the Egyptians talk about this too. But in the end, uh, we came out looking a lot like them. Just our heads were smaller. We had less digits. Uh, instead of six, we had five. And uh, But we weren't sentient in the way we are today. I mean, we were just, we were passive. We were designed to be passive. So we would plow the fields. We'd make the mead. We'd dig the gold. We'd dig the copper. We'd do whatever we were told. And we never asked why. Well, out of the blue, the, the, the Dogon talk about this, the Rebrew, and the Egyptians also talk about this, that a um, reptilian race showed up. Now, the reptilians said they were here long before them. They were here 60-something million years ago when the calamity came. Some went on the ground, some left. Anyway, these guys landed in this crater lake. Uh, the the, the Rebrew, uh, the Dogon, actually have this in great detail. All of this is written down. Uh, or actually not written down, but given in, in, verbal, in, in verbal language. So uh, they talk about this. The reptilians went over to the Sumerians and were stealing their women and bringing them back. They would rape the women and bring them back pregnant. The women would have children, and the children were different. Now, the first couple of times I heard these stories, I thought they meant the children looked different, like reptilians. But that's not what they meant. They acted differently. They're like, screw you. I'm not digging this. Mom, what are, you, what are you, crazy? I'm not going out and digging this for these people. Let them go out and dig this. I'm not making meat. I'm going out and partying. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do this. So the citizenship changed. After there was enough of them, eventually there was a rebellion. But um, they changed. So those people all have a what in their brain? A reptilian section in their brain. Now, this is science fact. We all have this reptilian section in our brain. It's, it's what makes us who we are. It's not so much that it makes us aggressive, but it makes us want to be. It makes us want to challenge. It makes us want to ask questions. It makes us sentient. Without it, we wouldn't be the sentient beings that we are today. So now we know we have the human DNA in us and the reptilian DNA in us, and this is what was going on. So this was going on for a while. I think the grays were actually sent. The council probably sent the grays or the light beings sent the grays because 
they were worried that the humans and the reptilians were going to get in a big ass fight over this planet. They probably had been into fights before. Uh, so they sent the greys. The greys came here and immediately took over the induction process. So they went from where the reptilians and humans were abducted about 50, 50, the greys took over about 60, 65% of abductions left about 15 or 17% for each one of the other two races to deal with. But the reptilian, the greys just came over and took over. Uh, both races are scared of the greys. People tell me all the time, oh, no, they used to work for them. No, they don't work for them. I said, then tell me why anytime a, a reptilian, a big seven-foot reptilian, 700-pound reptilian, sees a four-foot gray walk and he puts his head down. That's, that's, that's respect. That's fierce. What the hell that is. Obviously, these guys have their brains are three times the size of either one of these races. Uh, just with telepathy, they could probably kill them. Their ships are far more advanced. Their ships are alive. They're not they're not built like the other two races are. They're more advanced. And, and the story goes that the the um, light beams are the one that made them more advanced. They found them on the far side of the galaxy when they hopped into this galaxy and made them. There was a big war going on in the galaxy, so they needed a galactic police force, so the greys became it. Uh, and that's who keeps the peace these days. And that's why they're here, to keep the peace. But they're not allowed to interfere with our mortal floors, which is probably just funny to them. Uh, their web, One of their webs probably melt our whole damn planet. But it's strange that they came in. So then, but around the same time they came in, something else happened. So figure humans were A, figure reptilians were B. All of a sudden, and they were positive because there was no, most people don't realize this, but until 40, 30 or 40,000 years ago, there was no RH negative on this planet. Everybody was RH positive. For the most part, everybody was RH positive, brown skin, brown eyes, and brown hair. And even, even, if, even if they had white skin, they still had brown eyes and brown hair. Yeah, the mutations didn't come till later. So for some reason, and it's around the time that the, the grays started, enter, started dealing with our population, O negative popped, our RH negative popped up. Now, remember this. RH negative is a baby killer. It's not something that um, Mother Earth would create. It kills babies. It doesn't help babies. It kills them. Until somebody invented the antidenogen D gene, which I think was in the 70s or 80s, uh, this was killing people. That's why people had to get blood tests. See, for, for anybody who's millennial or younger, y'all didn't know this, but we used to have to get blood tests back in the day so that if you were positive negative, you wouldn't have children because they would probably be born stillborn which is just strange in itself. So all of a sudden we do have this new blood type. It's O and it's negative and we have no idea what it is. It's killing babies all over the place. And then somebody finds out that it's the universal donor. So here's a blood type. When you braid with other people with positive, it kills people. But yet somehow or another, by changing a couple of things, it can be the universal donor. No other blood can be the universal donor but O negative. Okay, what the hell is that about? Also, O negative is the purest form of blood known to man, so it's almost where all of our hemological research comes from. These are things that are like, what the hell's going on here? So out of the blue, you can say Mother Nature did, or you can say the Greys did it or something, but something in our history stopped for a moment and created this. So at the time, it was a bad thing. But today, it's a good thing. And today, it's 15% of the world's population is RH negative and growing. RH negative people have different attitudes, different outlooks. They're, they're just different. 
What does it mean? Does it mean anything? Does it mean that RH negative will one day take over the population? It could be. But because of that, we had other mutations like green and blue eyes, which there's so many realms of the re green and blue eyes, it could be mean anything. Green eyes are still pretty rare. Blue, blues, well, in the old days, last time I had really checked, it was 2 and 4%. Last time I checked recently, it was 10 and 20%, which I think is a little high. I think somebody took a little, yeah, brown eyes is probably still about 80%. Yeah. When you, and, and when you talk about blue and green, there's lots of differentials of them. The true blue and the true green is probably still just 2 and 4%. Well, thank you. I do have green eyes. Yes, I do. Which I just thought were green eyes until recently. And I mean, oh, well, they're a mutation. See, now I know I'm a mutant because I have mutant blood and mutant eye color. Yeah, it's just weird to me. Uh, and it's not just me. There's lots of them out there. What does it mean? Does it mean anything? Is it going to change our society? I do think it's going to change our society. I think these people are different. And when you start looking, <laughs> that was funny, Marky. Okay, a couple of things. If you ever pay attention to politicians, movie stars, and musicians, you will notice the overwhelming number of them with colored eyes. You'd be surprised. More than 50% have colored eyes. But remember, colored eyes at best only make up 20%. And that's pushing. I'm thinking more like 10%, but we'll say 20 for argument. So that means that the majority of people who are in the public eye have colored eyes. Why is that? Mm-hmm. And why do some of the, some, and then you need to check and see what blood types are being served. You mean politicians? I don't think any politicians are H negative. I think they're all evil bastards. Uh, some blood type we've never heard of before, morons. Oh, wait, did I say that out loud? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, look, I don't know. I've got friends in politics. And I know some senators and Congress and some house reps I've met over the years that I don't, uh, I have no idea why they do the things they do. I, I have no idea. Well, it used to be we were here to serve, and, and now they're here to serve themselves. And they don't give a shit about us. Come on, man. You know that when you see both sides just polarize and only vote their side. If they cared about us, at least half the people on each side would be voting even though the other party didn't want to vote. They would say, oh, no, you know, this is a good bill. Yeah, so we don't see that, do we? Sorry, guys, I needed a drink. I know, Chris, but only had an hour and a half, so it was, we're skipping a lot of topics. Jumping backwards for a minute to why the government don't know anything, because they don't know anything. Well, let's say they captured a spaceship at Roswell. All right, I can tell you this for a fact. No great spacecraft is going to break up on impact. No reptilian or human in craft is going to break up an impact. It will probably go into the ground and just get stuck or slide across the ground and stop. But it's not going to break up because anything that can resist micrometeos at light speed, the ground is not going to break it up. It means it's made of a material that our ground is not going to break up, even without shielding. But now people forget this, but there was two different sites, two different crash sites. There was Corona and there was Roswell. Corona was said that there was a, a large elliptical saucer-shaped ship found intact with four bodies laying outside that looked humanoid like us, but they were kind of heavily contaminated by something, so they looked like they were actually melting. Their words. They were found by, I hate to say this, a dad and his two sons, boy scout leader and the two scouts. 
as far as I know, no one ever heard from them again. That it's hard to even find that information. If I wouldn't, if I wouldn't have been friends with D. Andrew, who was just like the Roswell, she knew more than Stan Freeman. She embarrassed Stan one night talking. Uh, they got to talking, and he's like, "Damn, he, she knew about the nurse. She knew about all kind of stuff, man. She was like, just she knew it. So she was a go-to girl when you wanted to talk about Roswell. So the craft in in Roswell came down, had the grades, but it broke up. It sounds like an ejection pod, escape pod of some kind." That would probably break up when it hit the ground, but a big craft wouldn't have. Uh, some kind of some kind of contamination probably went on, and the, and the grays jumped, and the grays were crashed. Now, let's stop and think for a minute. How did the humans get their hands on this craft? Was this one of the ones recovered from Germany? Because they do believe that in 1901 or 1902, some group of aliens contacted the Germans because the Germans were the most people, advanced people on the planet. Until the end of World War II, they were the most advanced society on the planet. So they believe somebody contacted them, probably gave them some ship to backwards engineer. That's, so in case you don't believe me, from 1911 to 1914, I believe it was, Germany built six different prototype UFO saucer things. None of them could fly. Some of them even looked like tanks, but that's what they were. And then again, in World War II, there was another design of a UFO, or I should say a flying saucer, uh, with some other type of engine involved in it. So it sounds like that's, they had them. You have to remember, the Germans were way ahead of everybody. Everybody thought Americans, no, they were way ahead of us. It was just sheer numbers that kicked their ass. We were just, you know, it would be like we got in the war with China, and China could mass produce unforgettably. The only thing I'll save us with China is they don't have the materials in their country. They could mass produce at a faster rate because of the amount of people. But you got to have the stuff to build planes and jets with. And, shit, and they don't. That's shit they bring in from overseas. Without, without, Once you cut them off, they're limited to whatever they got in the surplus. It's not the same for us. We have a lot of materials here. Uh, so it's a little bit different in the way that would fall out. Oh, I know. I thought I was being probed by an alien there for a minute. It's just so, you know, we picked up that craft, we, re we recovered it, and then we flew it, we crashed it. I don't think the aliens crashed. I think the aliens were like, oh my God, no, I don't, don't do it. Like, and we crashed it, and they got the hell out of there. But why would they let us keep it after that? Why did they let us keep it in the first place? What I mean by this is, okay, they said, oh, we got the Gray's bodies. So why would the Gray let us keep it? They could remove them at any time they wanted to. We know that three alien abductions. We know they could remove the ship and the, the, the damaged rubble anytime they wanted to. So did they or didn't they? More than likely they did because later on we talked to some people stationed at two bases out there and said they knew about the bodies, but they just disappeared one day. They were in what they called uh, some kind of museum where all kind of stuff that's not supposed to exist exists. And they were removed from there and nobody knows how or when or, or, or what. And then all the wreckage from the Roswell crash suddenly disappeared. And then the actual UFO disappeared. And then they said a decade later, a saucer saucer, not a elongated saucer, but a saucer saucer showed up in Roswell. I mean, not in Roswell, at Area 51. It was just in one of the hangars. Like the Gray said, here, try to figure this one out, you morons. It was probably like a luxury crash, and I probably didn't have no weapons on or anything. It's probably just something we had. They said, these dumb humans, and we'll never get these guys in space. But do you want us in space? 
for us as Americans, you know, do you want us to run the world? Just think if we had a fleet of, of saucers that couldn't be shot down and had weapons that could destroy whole cities. It wouldn't take long for everyone to surrender. But, I mean, we don't do that good of a job running our own country. And how, how are you going to have fair elections? I mean, China and India both have a billion and a half people. So uh, nobody else in the world will ever get elected but a Chinese or an Indian. <laughs> Just, you know, so that would have that. All of that, you'd have to come into stuff with that. You'd have to pick one country where all the presidents come from and then all the other leaders can be selected from other countries to make sure they keep their shit together. It would work, maybe. It'd be a much different kind of UN. But whoever was a president or whoever was it would have complete control of all military on the planet, not just each government wouldn't have its own anymore. But think about this. Think about it. right now, this this year, America is going to spend almost $900 billion on defense. In the last two decades, I think it's somewhere around $6 trillion. Since we've been doing this, probably well over 10 or $15 trillion. Think about the worldwide just for this year. Forecasted for this year, I think it's $3 trillion we're going to spend on defense worldwide. 10 years, it's $30 trillion. Do you know how much shit you could solve with $30 trillion? Cancer would probably think it would be a thing of the past. Coals and COVID would probably be a thing of the past. Uh, a lot of things would be a thing of the past. Look at fusion. I mean, fission. We're going to have fission reactors. Just think how fast we could advance with $30 trillion. Just think how much better your school systems would be, your healthcare systems would be. Think about your scientists and your doctors that were working across the borders. You know, so when you're when you're working on a problem like um, cancer or COVID, you wouldn't have your science spread all over the world. You'd have one place for them. They'd all be there from different places, and they'd all be working together. The shit would get done way faster. Uh, look and, and to help y'all with this. Look at the space programs of the United States, Russia. Japan, United States, Russia, and China. And then look at Elon Musk. Elon Musk has put everybody to shame. He had, he launched, you know, last year the United States was number one in launches except for Elon Musk. So whereas we will launch, I think, 10 or 12 more than anybody else, he launched like 50 more than we did. This year he's going to launch well over 100 more launches than all the all the governments combined. That's how much more advanced he is than we are. He's now got a Telstar satellite system with over 10,000 satellites ringing the world. And he told Putin, yeah, go ahead and try to launch a missile. I'll just run one of my satellites in it. He said, I guarantee you I can build satellites faster than you can build missiles. And he's right. So here's a guy. He's, he's the richest South he's the richest African-American in the world. And uh, he's willing to stand up for us and, and care about us. Oh, I don't, I, you know, Twitter, Twitter, he bought Twitter to prove a point that the liberals were lying and that they were definitely, definitely, definitely picking on conservatives and kicking them off. And he proved that. He proved that the FBI uh, put their foot down in two different elections, the 2016 election and the 2020 election. Uh, he proved that there's all kind of interference was going on. He proved that the FBI was messing around with Twitter and, and Zuckerberg and others. Uh, he proved that the media was working with the Democrats. I mean, there was a lot came out of this. What will come out of it long term, I have no idea. Um, Jimmy, no, I'm not a conservative, sorry. No, I'm, I'm a centrist or a centralist. Yes, I'm in the middle, yes. Because 
when you when you look at the liberals in the in the GOP, when you look at the extreme parts of the party, which is about a third of each party, they're nuts. And they're the ones in control for some reason, and they're nuts. Oh yeah. We got these guys over here with no abortions. We got these guys over here want to give you an abortion up until a year old. What the hell? What I mean, this is craziness. I mean, and there is a logical uh, uh, answer for that. There is a way to do that and not let it, you know, kill 54 million babies. I mean, if you're an alien race coming to this planet and, you, and they just looked down and said, this one country, we're not talking about worldwide, this one country killed 54 million of its own babies, they're going to look at us a little funny. I bet you're not killing off any of their babies. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. In the year 2022, this shouldn't be a thing. We should be more advanced in this, both mentally and physically. We should be more advanced in this. What do you mean, Curtis? Actually, no, I'm not anti-abortion. I'm anti-abortion for um, for um, for birth control, but I'm not anti-abortion, no. What I mean by that is, you know, there's lots of reasons for abortions. It could be health reasons for the mother, health reasons for the child. It could be a rape, an incest. It could be any of that stuff. Um, but having three or four abortions because you didn't want to use a condom or take a pill, no. That's murder. That's what that is. That's nothing else but murder. That's not an excuse for that. There's just no excuse for that. None whatsoever. You know, so it's it's a hard thing. It, it's, it's a hard thing. It's a hard, it's a hard stick to walk. And one of these days we'll figure it out. I'm not completely against the, like, okay, everybody's entitled to one mistake, but come on. Three, four, five, six, come on. There's no excuse for that. First time you've done it, you should know better the second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time. In most states, is what this is what I kind of funny. We just did a big show on this a while back. I find this funny. Most states have a three abortion law. But what they didn't tell you is you could drive to the next state over and get three more. And then drive to the next state over and get three more. Oh, yeah. We did this show. We had brought on some women that had had nine and ten. Yeah, and you think that's okay. Liberals do. They think it's fine. Conservatives freak out about it. People in the middle are like, what? <laughs> so, yeah. No. Uh, and some things I, I think that uh, that's the right to choose is where it belongs. I'm not the Supreme Court. And I know why the Supreme Court did what they did, but I'm not the Supreme Court. No, they're right. The states need to figure it out. But the Fed needs to step in if the states get too stupid, which some of them are actually doing. It's a tough one. I, I just look at it. A lot of times when I look at us, I look at us from a different point of view. I look at us from an advanced alien race looking down at Earth. What do they think about us when, when we do certain things? And I'm not talking about abortion. I'm talking about all sorts of things. Uh, what do they do? I mean, you know, shooting of children, wars all over the place, a need for guns for any reason. No, I'm not anti-gun either who just wrote that. No, I actually own, well, you can't see it's not anything, but Martha's around the house somewhere. No, I'm not anti-guns, but I'm, I'm not. I mean, we're too advanced for this. These are things, you know, in a couple hundred years, this isn't going to matter. A lot of the things we complain about today will be bred out of your children. They can do it now, but we don't really want to. No, we, we, we think it's messing with our children because the rich people will be able to design their babies to have a much bigger advantage over the poor people. So right now they're not wanting to, but I've heard governments on this planet talk about certain things, uh, certain things that you're maybe prone to do that would be considered criminal or otherwise. That may be brought out. And if parents want to, like, you know, 
children that might have a predisposition to be gay, the parent will be able to choose if they want that child to have to experience that or not. Yeah, because I would imagine on a, on a on a real alien race, there probably isn't any gay any gay people. It's probably bred out from get go. It probably just is. It just it would just be a distraction from whatever they're doing. So it's probably bred out from the get go. Well, no, it's it's not about freedom of choice because it is freedom of choice. The parent gets to choose. The parent's the one who has to deal with this child all his life, and they know what a child's going to go through in in this thing. So it's probably bred out. It's not just that. A lot of things are probably bred out. You know, bad hair, you know, baldness like this up here, that's probably going to be bred out. There's a lot of things that bred out. I mean, a lot of things will be able to be bred out. The argument's going to be going to be what really the argument's going to be is what should be left alone and what shouldn't be. And that's where the fight's going to come in. And there should be a fight there because it needs to be fair and balanced for everybody involved. I don't know. I'm not an alien. I wish I was because I'd help everybody out on this planet. I really love Earth. I think Earth is beautiful. I think we've done great things. I think we can do even greater things. I just think we need to get a grip on our asses uh, while we're doing these great things. We need to pay attention to the people and things that are being left behind. I mean, homeless in 2022 in America. Do you know how many? Do you know how many homes there is? Two homes. I'm talking about home homes for every person on this planet. If you start getting into apartments and hotel rooms, there are more than 15 for every person in this country. And yet we have massive homeless problems. I don't know. We got a lot to work on as a country. I hate to say we really do. I love all of y'all. Y'all are great people to sit here and listen to my rant and rave. And at least we got through most of the UFOs before we got on this little pitiful rant at the end. Any moans, groans, and bitches about what I just said, please write to Michelle DeRoche over at the Outer Realm. She loves to hear from y'all. On that note, I got to get out of here, guys. Again, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. I hope everyone has a blessed holiday. Uh, be safe this New Year, but have a lot of fun for our friends overseas getting into other holidays. Enjoy your holidays as well. Uh, I want everybody to have a good time. Chinese New Year. Oh, and we really got to watch it to Canadians. There, there's, I don't know what to think about them. But everybody else, y'all have a good time, and I will see y'all next Wednesday. Good night, everybody. <laughs>